Blog Talk Radio. you guys know um, we do have 
We're about to open up the chat room on um, on um, on Blog Talk Radio. So those who want to join the chat, you can go in, make a free account. Um, look us up under UCOFW, jump in the chat room, and if you just want to chill out, you know, chat with the host, um, feel free to do so. If you want to send comments, you can do that, and we will gra- gladly read your comments o- over the air. Uh, the topic we're going to be discussing tonight is family drama, family dysfunction, and also we're going to um, jump into the issue of drug abuse. Not only within um families, you know, but within the community. And what what does it cause cost in our community? What does it cost in our families? Um I guess I can start off um by saying that every family, no matter how perfect a family see, when you start really digging into uh or going behind the scenes and start digging up some things Every family has some skeletons in the closet. Every family has some demons that they're facing. And I think that there's no such thing as a perfect family. Now, although that there's no such thing as a perfect family, there are families that are functional, but I think that um, you, you really can't help the family that you're born into. And that's why I said you really have to work harder sometimes to get along with family than friends because you can't necessarily choose your family. You can't you can't help if your mama is a crackhead junkie. I'm I'm just gonna keep it real because you know we gonna keep it real on this chat. So like I said, with this show we write checks that we we can clear. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. you, you, like I said, you, you can't help what family you're born into. You can't. Help if your mama's a crackhead junkie. You can't help mm-hmm. if your daddy is no good, lazy, shiftless bum. That's a mm-hmm. womanized woman beater and a drug addict. You you can't help that. That's so what right. you can do, what you can do is make the best out of the situation. Because I'm gonna tell you something. I, I just had a conversation with somebody in my job. You can only go so far in life and use the excuse that. Well, my mama was this. My mama was that. This happened to me. This happened. That happened to me. You can only use that for so long. You you can't you can't hold on to that forever. So, like I said, you have to make the best of your situation. And, and you know, and, and this is what's going to lead to a lot of to, um, a lot of discussions in the future because I'm going to be doing a, a, a sister to sister. Um, Series. I need to get with C and see how she wants to do this because it's going to be primarily her show. So I'm just here tonight mostly to you know just to introduce the host and stuff like that. And 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 before we do jump into this um, topic, see, I want you to tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, what, in your opinion, uh, what gives you the authority to speak on certain issues before we even jump into the issue of family dysfunction. And so you're asking what gives the authority? Yeah, and just tell people a little bit about yourself so they can be well acquainted with you, you know, as we move forward with the show. Yes. Um, what uh, really inspired me uh, was when um, Seneca had talked to me about doing an additional show like this. 
And um, it really inspired, this topic really inspired me because of the simple fact that um, I did not, um, I've had, and and I'm just going to be honest, I've had uh, some dysfunctional people that really were in my family. Did I I consider myself a dysfunctional person? No, but I grew up um, in the type of household that was considered dysfunctional. Um, And this is not anything that is embarrassing to talk about because now where I am at today, I am honestly able to say that I learned from the dysfunction that was in my home. You know, and and I'm not ashamed to say that it was mainly from my father's uh, point of view. He was the main one that was causing the dysfunction. And I just want people to know that, you know, when we talk about things like this, do not be embarrassed to talk about things like this because no one is perfect. Things happen in the family. Things happen in the home. Um and so I am a living witness that um, experiencing something like that made me a better person today. It helped me to understand that um, you may grow up in it, but you don't have to stay in it. You may experience it, but it will not. But it will only become you if you if you allow it, if you adhere to it. And um, I can honestly say that I overcame that. Um, so, you know, it is, so when it comes to dysfunction, um, I just encourage people just to think about the positive side. And the positive side of the dysfunction is learning um, the lessons that the dysfunction really displays. Because there is a lesson, if you look at it, you don't want to be that way when you get older. If you desire to have a family, you know what not to do. You know what behaviors um that you do not want to display. So um so you know so I'm just very grateful that um that I'm just able to be here so that you know we can share about the dysfunction and I think that everyone as a whole whoever listens online or whoever comes on the show or whoever joins the chat room we can all come together as one and learn about this so that we can break the chain and we can break this pattern and so that we can be at a person so that we can truly um, be successful in our lives for all the years to come. All right. Okay. When we deal with dysfunction, because um, I want to break it down into several topics, because um, I really think with um, a lot of times we, we are dealing with Mother daughter daughter drama or um, mm-hmm. daughter father you know father and daughter drama and or and yes. sometimes we later on we're gonna get into the show about jealousy within the family mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people are dealing with um, people that are jealous of members in their family or you you became successful or especially particularly in the black community we deal with a lot of issues where. Um, if we become successful, if we become, um, well, we decide to go to school, become educated, um, become a productive citizen of society, we are looked down upon as, quote, unquote, Uncle Times or 
quote-unquote trying to be white. So we're going to get to that later on in the show. I really want to discuss that because I think a lot of times um, in families um, there is a huge jealousy um, aspect of things. So, but first I want to talk about drama between parents and their children. Now, I think a lot of times, and I've seen this, where women will have a baby by a man to, to, to keep, think they're going to keep a man, and or they'll have a, a baby for some type of benefit. You know what I'm saying? They, they And when the stuff goes wrong, the child becomes a quote-unquote burden. And mm-hmm. I think that 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 the way that they treat the child from that point on, like or how how they take care of the child or have to take care of the child or drop the child off at the grandma, it's reflective in how the interaction is coming up. And even in mm-hmm. their adult lives, you see a lot of that dysfunction or you see a lot of that, um, the remnants of that, uh, in in that person's behavior and how they interact and have have with others and how they um, what kind of relationships they get involved in. So, mm-hmm. what do you feel about that? That personally, I um, I agree you wholeheartedly regarding this issue because um, I think that when you have parents that are not taking the welfare of their children seriously, then um, then there's going to be a terrible outcome. You know, um, a lot of times, and, and I'm going to start with this, and I'm going to be real because, like you said, we're going to keep it real. Um, all men are not that way, but with, because I'm going to give respect where respect is due. But for the handful of men that are that way, they don't think with their heads, but they think with what is in between their legs. So mm-hmm. they want to think with that, and then they want to have a child. And then their true feelings and their true emotions come out, and they realize right then and there that the nine minutes of pleasure turns into nine months of pain for the wife or for the girlfriend or for whoever this individual is to them, and they want to run. So they want to be less than a man. They, you know, don't want to live up to their responsibilities. But then we have to look at the female in that aspect. We have the male side. So then when it comes to the female end, the female fell in love with what they saw. So they let their eyes you know, dictate what they would instead of truly leading with their heart and with their mind. So they didn't think about this clearly. So they were left in after what they want, you know. And so now they're done joined together in the bedroom, they've created these kids, and now they want their life back. Mm-hmm. But here's where the dysfunction comes in. Your life is no longer yours when you have a child. It belongs to that child. You have to put every, you know, piece of yourself in this child. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care about the things that you go through because you should have thought about that before you had this child. Now, this child is asked to be here. Now you're creating, 
you know, the the man and the woman is now creating a dysfunctional atmosphere because of their own feelings and their own emotions. So they're not thinking about the child. Now they're thinking about what they want. And that is where the dysfunction comes in as they're so comfortable with who they are, what they are, what they want to do, and they're saying, screw the child. So now... Now, not only is the household dysfunctional, now the child is dysfunctional because both parents are not a child. Now, I'm going to give an example. My mom was the non-dysfunctional party. My father was the dysfunctional. My mom fought tooth and nail to make sure that I did not turn out that way. See, so if you have both parents, that are adhering to this dysfunctional aspect, then that means that that child does not have a fighting chance. But if you have a parent that forgets about themselves and concentrate on every well-being of this child, that child will have a chance. Wow. And, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, mm-hmm. And like, like you said, um, you can tell how, I mean, you can, even when you see some of these parents out in public with their children, you can tell if mm-hmm. the child, you can tell by how the child is dressed, how the child conducts themselves, and you That's can right. even tell by how the, how the child even conducts themselves in school. You know I mean? That's you right. You can see the, the level of involvement with the child. From, by the parent, mm-hmm. and you can see mm-hmm. if that if that person is really into that child, or that, that child was viewed as a quote unquote mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, of, mm-hmm. a lot of parents make that evident. Like you know, what I'm saying like that's um, right. And and then like um, you were telling me about a situation to where um, um, you were saying how you knew somebody that. Uh, was adopted, and you you were saying how their parents weren't honest with them. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. and, and I don't know if you want to share that story because I think that time yes, I will. As well, because I think a lot of parents aren't honest with their children, and that's another thing. Yeah, leads to problems. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and I will share this because I think this story is very relevant. You know, it was a family that um, that had adopted this child um, when the child was three years old, and they had this child all the way up until now. And the child now is about, and, and I'm not going to say child, but um, the individual now is grown and in their uh, mid. 30s now, and they put on this facade and made this child think that um, that they were her birth parents, but come to find out that um, her mother, her birth mother, passed away, and she now knows that her mother, that she thought was her mother, was not her mom. And now she is distraught about the entire situation. And I truly want to say that the parents were selfish. 
because they didn't think about her. They thought of what they wanted. I don't know if they couldn't have kids. I don't know what the issue was. But now the parents who adopted her or who had her um, are well in their 80s now. And it is absolutely absurd because, you know, now they're like, you know, they don't know what to really do. They don't even know how to really go about this entire thing. But the fact of the matter is is that I don't care how hard it may be, you have to tell your kids, you, you have to tell that child the truth from when they were young, when they were at the point of being able to understand and they refused to do that. So now dysfunction has set in because now all she's thinking about is you lied to me. You were not my parents. You were not the and then not not only that, she was deprived of being able to know who her flesh and blood was. She was deprived of that. She was deprived. So now she's thinking about all these different aspects. And the mother and father never once thought about her well-being because if they thought about her well-being, then they would have told her from the very beginning. So now it's a whole different attitude that uh, she doesn't really want to bother with them. And that's a problem. That is a complete problem. And what I believe they don't understand is, is that that entire process can go on and on and on because, you know, if she so, say, for instance, that she, you know, wants to have kids or whatever the case may be and she gives them away, you know, like the same thing may happen. And so now they have formed this pattern, you know, and it was all because of their selfish nature. And I think that selfishness should not be in the household because that selfishness, could actually um, cause an event to happen just like this. And and another thing to add on to that is like uh, with with the, with this story in particular is you know that I don't think they realized the seriousness of that. And I understand they were probably mm-hmm. thinking that they were in their minds they were protecting their their daughter, right. daughter but mm-hmm. you have to at some point. Be be honest with them because what if she needs to get in contact with them one day to just to find out her history, you know? Um, That's right. And sometimes you you can't protect your children forever, but but lying to them is the worst thing to do. That's because right. Because I'm gonna say right. whether you whether you think so or not, or whether you realize or not, <laughs> children are very receptive and they pick up on things that, and they know more than what you think. Yes, and nothing, and nothing kills me more than parents that aren't on. Because I'm going to tell you, it's a real world out here. And I'm going to tell you this now. Parents better start mm-hmm. talking to their kids. They need to start being honest mm-hmm. and upfront with them because this world is not going to be, you know what I'm saying, not going to sugarcoat things from them. That's right. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the problem now, we, even with their families. And I can, I'm going to take it to another thing now. And that's mm-hmm. In essence of this, I mean, we can we can also jump into to the, the fact that there's a lot of secrets within families. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that are going on, a lot of things that are being swept up under the rug, and I think mm-hmm. that this is the main problem that we have with families today. 
Um, and then mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk. Everybody wants to sit around. You know, for example, like everybody's sitting around here knowing that that such and such is a pervert in the family, and mm-hmm. such and such and such is messing around with somebody's child within the family, but everybody wants to turn a blind eye. They want to turn the deaf ears. And I think mm-hmm. that um, a lot of these secrets get swept up under the rug, and then the child is carrying this pain and this hurt for years. And then on top of that, right. you have some mothers in it, you know, that will choose a man over their daughter mm-hmm. or their son. Yes, Lord. The thing I would just worry mm-hmm. about, the daughter today getting molested or getting abused or beat up on, you got to worry about these young boys, too. That's right. But oftentimes, I'm going to tell you, there's always there's always somebody out here that's going to put that man before their child. Yeah. Because they're so, they're so thirsty for a man and thirsty for some attention that they, they'll, they'll put up with anything. And they'll sacrifice their children just, you know, in, in, in mm-hmm. the name of having somebody there. That man can be in That's your right. house, eat up your children's food. Let's, let's, just, let's just keep it real. Sitting up here eating mm-hmm. your children's food, you know, mm-hmm. laying on your couch, ain't paying no ain't paying no bills, still wearing them same yes. funky bras he doesn't been had on for the last two weeks. Yes. Come on, let's, let's just be real. And mm-hmm. you want to lay up with that. You're right. Mm-hmm. I know this Absolutely. girl right now. I ain't gonna say no name. You know, she had a good man. She had a good man that would do anything for her, and mm-hmm. um, she decided when he went to work, she she wanted to lay and play, and she wanted to, she wanted to sneak that that thug in our house. She wanted to sneak. She wanted that sneaky. I'm gonna, I'm mm-hmm. gonna keep. I'm, you know, this is real. We also say what's ever on our mind on this show. She wanted to keep. She wanted that sneaky dick. Mm-hmm. She wanted. See, she wanted that man to sneak around the back when her man was going out the door to go to work, mm-hmm. and he was working her walls while he was working a nine to five. Yeah. But see, the thing about mm-hmm. it was, she chose that man that wasn't doing nothing for her for the man that was doing something for her. Until this yeah. day, she's still with that man. He ain't doing nothing for her. He done got her pregnant. And she was hmm. still regretting to this day that she left a good man. Because she already mm-hmm. knows reality. He takes care of his daughter, but she already knows that she made a mistake by getting pregnant by this no good man that done beat her up. And let me tell you, she done, the man that been in jail, she had opportunities to get away from him, but she kept getting drawn back by this man that's, that's twice her age, you know. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. And she just didn't want more for her child. And now you done got pregnant mm-hmm. by this man, and you are tied up with this guy for the rest of your life. You mm-hmm. scared to get away mm-hmm. from him. You scared to put your foot down. You know, you working every day. You pregnant. You working. What is he doing? Nothing. And see, he does disrespectful things. He brings women up in the house while you gone. He done drove another mm-hmm. woman's car and brought it to your house. And, mm. and and then the thing is, what's so bad about it is you got a daughter that's seeing this behavior from her mm-hmm. mother. So what do you yes. think that's going to beget? That's going to beget another mm-hmm. uh, generation of dysfunction. Yes, it is. And yes, you know what? This, you know. this story is also common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But and you're so right about that. And then um and what I like about what you said is is that they're not think and it's all about selfishness again. They're not thinking about what is my child learning because something that you said earlier was children are impressionable. What they see is what they're gonna do, what they hear is what they're gonna say. Nine times out of ten that is how it is gonna be. So you're absolutely right. You know, they are going they they're learning something from that. Now it is up to the parents to tell them if they learn this lesson Child, what you saw, that's not love. A man knocking you upside the head, that's not love. A man doing these dastardly things to you, that's not love. Now it is up to that parent to teach that child what you saw, that's not the right way. So I, I totally agree with everything that you just said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's up to the parent to mm-hmm. You have to set the tone for your family. That's right. And, and, and no reason for you to be sitting around listening to the blues, eating cupcakes and ding-dongs and everything else, sitting around your house and having a pity party because you done mm-hmm. made a mistake. Mm-hmm. All you do That's is right. dust, yourself, dust yourself off and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you made a mistake don't mean that you have to stay in that position. That's right. You know, and and I think a lot of times people uh, feel that they have to continue down a path of dysfunction when they don't have to. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. quit trying to say that you, I mean, of course you need a man to raise a child, but Quit saying because you your, your baby dad. You, you know what I'm saying? You can't do it because you mm-hmm. ain't fit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's too many people out here that's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, but to me, you got to take responsibility at, at some point, too, because you allowed it. I can see you making one mistake, but when you having you having baby after baby by multiple men or you get multiple women pregnant, I mean, it's it's, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a pause here because it's not just the, the men that are no good. You got some no good women too, because there's some that's men right. out here that's taking care of their kids and they raising their kids by themselves because they got a no good yes. poor of a baby's mother. Yes. Mhm. See, that's so, it. So, but at the end of the day, you have to decide that you're gonna have to be the best that you're gonna have to be. Mhm. And you can't wait on somebody else uh, for you to determine that. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right, it's nine thirty now, and I wanted to jump into, and we can link these topics up too because I think um, within family there is drug addiction, but I want to also get on the topic of drug addiction. And I think that uh, drugs are really the, the the thing of drug drug addiction is really ruining our families, our our um, communities. I really don't. I really think that we as a society don't take drug addiction serious enough. Mm-hmm. I think we we feel that we can just throw somebody in prison and, and 
and think that that's going to rehabilitate them or that's that's supposed to change them, and we're not really addressing the issue. We're not addressing the addiction. We we will put somebody in jail uh, for possession of drugs. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. mind you, these are crimes against themselves, not against other people. We'll put somebody in jail right. years and years and years, but we'll allow drugs, I mean, we'll allow rapists, molesters, uh, murderers to get off like, and, and, yes. and spend half their time in the system. Mm-hmm. So I really think that we're not really helping these people out because all they, it's, it's the revolving door. They go in, they're going to come. They go in the prison system, they're going to come right back out only to go back in again. Yes, they are. You know, the people in prison, they're not being, their problems are not being addressed. You know, you're throwing them in a cage, cage-like environment, a survival of the fittest type of environment where they're forced to, um, you know what I'm saying, do all mm-hmm. these acts and, you know, they're, and they're living like animals. You know, everybody's fighting to survive. Everybody's in there. It's just it's just a madhouse, and we expect yep. for these people to come out and and reintegrate and reintegrate into society. And you know, it's it's just a really big problem. And even mm-hmm. within our families, like we look at some of our families, and I don't know if you if you want to share um, your story, because I don't want to. You know, what I'm saying if it's something personal, we don't have to talk about, but. I know that you dealt with that within your family, and um, absolutely. And I yes. didn't know if you wanted to tell how deep it got and how you overcame that, and and and, and how you, you know, went through the process of forgiving. Forgiving. Yes, um, yes. That that is definitely something that I did experience in my life. Um, and I'm going back to even the part of my dad. You know, um, he uh, was a drug and alcohol abuser, and it had a, and at first he was able to be functional. He was functional. I mean, going to work, like everything was fine. He was coming home, like everything was fine. But it had gotten to the point to where it just took over him completely, mind, body, and soul. And everything, his everything was consumed by drugs and by alcohol. And it had gotten so bad to where, you know, like they always say, that when you want that fix, you will go and you will buy or you will steal anything. You know, mm-hmm. even coming to the point of just taking my uh bikes and toys and everything that my mom bought, you know, and sold these things. And he deprived me of really my childhood because all these things that I had, gone, all for the sake of that next hit. And I've had to grow up with that my entire life. And um, now I am, you know, proud to say that I am, 31, and God has truly blessed me, Um, but it's just to the point to where I constantly think about these things that he's done, and now he's still doing these things. It has never been a stopping point. It has always been, okay, I'm going to get this next fix, and 
oh, honey, I am so sorry that daddy did this to you. And it's a constant lie. It's a constant, it is a, it has become repetition. It becomes a part of who he is. It took over his life. It took over everything that he had to offer. Everything that came out of his mouth was a lie. Everything that he said he was going to do, never done. And he was selfish because he never um, really took my feelings into consideration ever. Never once did he ever take how I felt and how I suffered from this into consideration, and it took a toll on me to where I was so worried by this to where I developed high blood pressure. Mm. I developed heart problems from this because I was so worried about why this was happening, and the question that I would constantly ask is, what did I do? What did I do? And that is a question that a lot of kids ask, not just me, but a lot of kids ask, what did I do? Because we think there was a problem. But we're not the problem. It is the problem that lies within themselves, something that they just can't control. And I'm not going to say can't. It's something that they don't want to, that they don't want to control because they're comfortable with where they are. And so now as all these years have passed, um, it was hard for me to even uh, breathe the word forgiveness off my lips. It was very hard. And, you know, and with my mother being instrumental in my life and how she was there and with my mother and my father, and I'm proud to say that I'm giving her her props, you know, being my mother and my father and, you know, doing the things that a dad is supposed to do, like uh, teach you how to ride your bike and change flats and uh, kiss your little uh, sores or whatever that you may get on your arm or whatever because you don't fell off your bike. Those are things that my mom done for me alongside being that mother that um, that she loved to be and that she was really supposed to be. And, um, and as far as the forgiveness aspect, like I said, it took me a long time to forgive my father. But when I understood how drugs and alcohol can really affect your life and take over your life, I understood that he allowed this disease to take over him. And at that moment, I realized that my father no longer really needed hatred from me. He needed forgiveness so that he could honestly have a chance to be able to recover. Because a lot of times what happens is um, when a person, you know, knows that they've done something wrong and that individual um, has and they don't know if that individual has forgiven them. They'll stay where they are. They'll sulk. They'll worry. They will just be so confused. They will just be so scared because they want to be in this person's good graces. And I wanted to honestly give my father that chance. I wanted him to know that um, that I did forgive him. And whatever he done after me letting him know that I forgave him was on him. But I wanted to let him know because I I didn't want my hatred, and I'm going to say it, towards him and, towards, and because of the things he's done, I didn't want that to enable him to continue doing the things that he was doing. And I just truly felt like forgiving him 
would be a way for him to become restored and to, and to just have a brand new start. And um, But unfortunately to this day, he's still doing um, the same things that he was doing, but I can honestly say that it's off my chest. It is off of my chest because um, the forgiveness, because when we think about the word forgiveness, it's not for the individual, it's for you to be able to let go and to move on, and that is what I've done. And I can honestly say that I'm happier. I am filled with joy. I am happy in knowing that whatever happens, I forgave him. And that's something that I just want to encourage any listener. Um, if, if they're going through the same thing, just know that it's important to just forgive because if you hang on to it, you will end up like me with high blood pressure, with heart issues. And one thing that um one um thing that I always say is um it's very important to accept it. Just just accept the fact that he's the way that he is or she's the way that she is and leave the entire thing alone because you will force yourself to accept something that could have been prevented. Let me ask you this. And sometimes when you – so how do you, in your opinion, since you've been through this, and, and and how do you get to the point where, hey, you have to just accept it and, and have to say, no, I'm not going to keep putting myself in this position to where I'm going to keep taking the abuse and you know, and you just have to learn how to forgive, but but to distance yourself. How did you get to that point? And like, I mean, how do you balance that? Because I know sometimes you keep going back. A lot of people keep going back for the abuse. The person is not changed. So how do mm-hmm. you get to that point to where you balance forgiveness, but but still being smart about it to where hey, I can't keep putting myself in that situation, knowing that this person has not truly changed. I got to that point because I realized, when I got older, I realized that the question that I kept asking myself is, what did I do? I got to that point because I realized that it wasn't me. I realized that I wasn't the problem. And when I was able to understand that and truly see it for what it was, I was able to give myself that love that he was never able to give to me, I began loving myself more. And I began realizing that this is um, self-inflicted abuse that he's putting on himself, and it's not me. It's not anything that I've done. So I was able to just let the entire thing go once I realized that. Because a lot of times what happens is, we tend to beat ourselves up. If anybody who has gone through this knows um, exactly what I'm saying, we will beat ourselves up because we will try to find out, what did I do? You know, we constantly ask ourselves that, but we all know that have gone through this, that when we come to that point of realization that it's not you and it is the problem that this individual is suffering from, you're able to have peace. And knowing that, hey, I've done nothing. I love myself too much to become to to just be subjected to this. And you learn how to love yourself. You learn how to love yourself because when you're able to let go of that question of what did I do, you're able to fill that hole and that void with love. 
And so I began to be able to love myself and just know that all would be well. And I think that a lot of times um, with, I think my phone went mute for a minute. Uh, I think a lot of times with uh, these issues, we're so we're so mm-hmm. so difficult to let go because we feel that we got to have this person. We 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 we're going through a codependent stage to where we feel that yes. we have to have person in our lives, and yes. uh, we don't. The thing is, you I, I, and I hate saying it's good. It's good you want to have that relationship, but you don't really need them. And right. I hate to put it like that, but you have to get to that point to where you have to be dependent and know who your strength lies in. Mm-hmm. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And, and you have to you have to have a wake up call to hey, they ain't gonna never be the dad. They not gonna never be the mama. They ain't gonna never be the mm-hmm. daddy that I need them to be. And you have to realize mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it goes to anybody else in your family or anybody else you have in your life that you consider family or friends, you have to sometimes realize that, hey, these people are never going to be what I need them to be. That's right. And I think that's why a lot of people keep coming back to get more abuse, get more, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so serious, they get more ass whoopings. We'll just, we'll mm-hmm. just keep it, we'll call it what it is. That's and, right. And, then, and at the end of the day, you are going to be the one because these people are going to keep on doing what they're going to do. You're the one that's going to be yes. there. You're going to be the one that's dealing, like you said, with these health problems. You're going to be the one that's going to be left with nothing. That's right. And these people are going to still continue. And, and, and that's the thing about the mm-hmm. forgiveness part. You have to forgive because these people are going to keep living. And then, like, like yes, they and, are. I, and, I want, and I want to say this. These people are sometimes in un- – these people still got a hold of people – and they in the grave. hmm You still walking around here yes. pissed off about what somebody did to you fifteen years on they dead. They can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. They they in they dead they in they grave rotting away and they still got a hold over you. That's right. That's right. And Cynical, let me say this too, that um that I have even tried to talk to my father until I was blue in the face. And I felt like it was going in one ear and out the other because simply, to be honest, it wasn't a pill talking. It wasn't a needle or a syringe talking to him. It wasn't no alcohol. It wasn't no shots. It wasn't no um, uh, prescription medication talking to him. It was a decent, civilized human being talking to him, so he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. And... um, and when I came to the realization that what I had to say meant nothing to him, I simply got tired. Yeah. And the last conversation that I had with my father, you know, I just let him know. I said, that I love you, and that it is unfortunate that you were never in my life it was unfortunate that um, that you never were able to reap the benefits of me growing. 
you were never able to enjoy the things that I've done. I was never able to make you laugh. You were never able to make me laugh. And I said, and that was unfortunate. And I let him know that I loved you. And I have not picked up the phone ever again because because I look at this as several phases. You get to the apologetic phase. You know, oh, I'm just so sorry that all this is going on. And then you get to the realization phase. Okay, I realize that it's not me and that it's him. And then this last phase is forget it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And these are the phases, but I can honestly say that the middle phase was the phase that I was stuck on for years. I was stuck on that phase for years. And um, with that realization phase, you just try to do everything that you can to just be in their presence, to be in their good graces, just do what you can. And when you finally get to that phase of saying just forget it, you start living for yourself. You know that they're there. You don't want anything bad to happen to them. But I could not continue to waste my time and my life depriving myself of me focusing on him. I missed out on so many opportunities because I was stubborn. I wanted to make sure that my father or my daddy, as I would always say, was okay. And I missed out on so many opportunities. Do I regret it? Yes, I do, because now I realize that if a person Mm -hmm. doesn't want, you you can't help a person if they don't want to help themselves. And that's just the honest truth. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, um, yeah, we somebody sent a comment in the chat, Truth23, mm-hmm. I want to thank them for listening. Uh, I guess they agreed with something that we said earlier, and he says the problem is that there are too many fun seekers out here. So they mm-hmm. sent that comment in, so I, I totally agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. Before we, we got uh, 10 minutes left in the show, um, I really wanted to get back because, I, like I said earlier, we were talk about um, the aspect um, of family dysfunction as far as, like, a lot of jealousy is concerned. And we might get back on this topic in a future show. But mm-hmm. um, I feel a lot of times within families that they're – and I've dealt with this too. I've dealt with, you mm-hmm. know, and I, it, even coming up, it's just like I, I wonder why. Like why? Why does like my you know my, my mm-hmm. cousins or people in my family why they have so much disdain like this you know what I'm saying like dislike towards mm-hmm. me because I can't help it that my parents raised me well and they wanted more for me and they Absolutely. brought me up well and they were jealous of me because I wanted to do something with my life I didn't want to be out okay. here in the street doing any and everything so you know it was one mm-hmm. of those things where. They didn't have that coming up. So they felt that they could mistreat me, say different things to me, and it was just like it kind of hurt me because what did I do? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I think the problem, especially within the black community, anytime we see people in our families that are successful, that worked hard, and I'm not talking about selling dope and tricking and prostituting and all that stuff, People that have legitimately went to school, worked hard, got a good job, you know what I'm saying, that worked their way mm-hmm. from the bottom 
the top, they want to call them white or they want to call them Uncle Tom. They want to call them sellouts because they don't. They wanted more. They want to move mm-hmm. out of the neighborhood that they. You know what I'm saying? They wanted to move up. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to. You, you know what I'm saying? Like because you right. want more for yourself, it it becomes a problem to them. And to mm-hmm. me, the problem is, is like a lot of times you have kids that came from the same family, same background, and they they all had an equal share, but yet they didn't want to do what, what it took to get get up to where they need to be. So they wanted to hang mm-hmm. on the other sibling or the other person in the family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really think that. And then they want to hate on them because they want their child to have more than what they had. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of times we have we have a Willie Lynch mentality, you know, uh-huh. especially amongst people of color. And we need to fix that. That's you know what right. I'm saying? We're so quick to tear somebody down because of what they earned. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I don't know if you, you, you've gone through that or you're, People in your family have done that, but I was just, you know, wanting to touch that before yes. we got off there. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think I was talking to you about this, too, especially with my mom. You know, my my, my mom had um, uh, a total of six other siblings, and my mm-hmm. mother was criticized and ridiculed because she definitely was cut from a different cloth. She would always tell me that she saw how her family acted and she didn't want to be that way. She knew that it was something that wasn't right. And my mom went through some crazy things as a child, but like I've always said, that through your trials and through circumstances, you learn from that. And she's an example of learning. And she took what she went through and turned the opposite way and done the things that she was supposed to do. And now, she has family members who don't want to talk to her because they feel like she's better than them or she acts like she's better. No, my mother knew that there was a better way. She knew that there was a different way of living, and she chose that way, and she instilled that in me. And when people see us, they want to look at us crazy and they want to act, and they want to say that we're goody two-shoes. But no, we have standards. We know that there is a way to live and there's a way not to live. And we chose the appropriate and accurate way to live. And sometimes I believe that when people are jealous and, you know, when they wish that their life turned out that way, they will act that way and they will just do crazy things towards you. They'll say crazy things. They'll look at you crazy. And I believe that jealousy is um, a contributing factor to that. Um, So, yeah, so I've gone through those things. I have experienced those things. I've I've heard stories about things like that happening from years ago. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, people will do things like that. But that is the sheer reality. That is just how people are. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's about that time. It's five minutes before the show is ending. But I just really want to thank everybody that listened tonight, that tuned in. I want to thank all um, people that were in our chat room. 
Um, you know, this is our first show. We, you know, we're still establishing the format, but I really think that we mm-hmm. were very transparent tonight, and I think we accomplished yes. what we got to do. And I'm really looking forward to um, uh, future shows. So, yeah, um, yeah. So I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to say before um, we get off, or um, uh, anything I would that you like to say want. That I- well, I would just like to say that um, I really enjoyed myself tonight. I enjoyed all the topics that we discussed tonight, and um, I'm just looking forward to the next show and for all the shows to come. All right. Well, um, I really enjoyed this opportunity as well. I think it's going to be a good show. I think, you know, as our listenership grows, I think it's going to be something that helps out a lot of people just coming together yes. uh, and just speaking about these issues. It's just very therapeutic. Um, I think that um, we need to have more dialogue. I think a lot of things yes. go undiscussed in the community, and I think that that's really what's causing a lot of problems because we're keeping a lot of this stuff in. Um, right. We feel that we're the only ones out here going through these things, and really that's not the case. So I, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's our main objective with the show. Um, like I said, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash UCLFW. Check out the Urban Wire as well. Um, and um, continue to listen to this show. We're going to probably be on, um, right now we're going to probably do Wednesdays, but, um, you know, um, the schedule might cha- change. But, um, yeah, just, just send us your ideas or your topics. Um, next week, I really want to talk about possibly about the church and just just and, and we want to talk about dysfunction in families, but there's a lot of dysfunction going on in the church. Oh yes, yes, yes. And uh, I think a lot of these preachers. I got an article that a friend wanted me to read on the show, and I know the show's about to end, but um, they wanted me to read this article about do preachers have much, too much control over your personal lives? There's a pastor that told their congregation that he does not want women in his church wearing weeds. And oh. and a lot of these pastors, they want to know your personal business, they want to know your finances. We're going to get on all that, but 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 you can't know nothing about them. Mm. You can't know anything mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Them, them having sex with your young boys and your young girls. But that's mm. the last point. Um, but uh, that's pretty much it for tonight. I want to thank everybody for um, tuning in. And until next time, you know, um, you know, this is the re- Reality Check 317 where we write checks that we can't clear. And we don't mind putting putting you in check sometimes if you have to. You know what I'm saying? But we don't do it all in the name of love. So um, until then, good night, and we will talk to you hopefully next week. Good night. Good night.